Chapter Nine of Elsie Venner. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Dion Gines, Salt Lake City, Utah. Elsie Venner by Oliver Wendell Holmes. Chapter Nine. The doctor orders the best sulky, with a digression on hired help. Abel slip cassia into the new sulky and fetch her round abel was dr kittredge's hired man he was born in new hampshire a queer sort of state with fat streaks of soil and population where they breed giants in mind and body and lean streaks which export imperfectly nourished young men with promising but neglected appetites who may be found in great numbers in all the large towns or could be until of late years when they have been half driven out of their favorite basement stories by foreigners and half coaxed away from them by california new hampshire is in more than one sense the switzerland of new england the granite state being naturally enough deficient in pudding-stone its children are apt to wander southward in search of that deposit in the unpetrified condition abel stebbins was a good specimen of that extraordinary hybrid or mule between democracy and chrysocracy a native-born new england serving man the old world has nothing at all like him he is at once an emperor and a subordinate in one hand he holds one five millionth part be the same more or less of the power that sways the destinies of the great republic his other hand is in your boot which he is about to polish it is impossible to turn a fellow-citizen whose vote may make his master say rather employer governor or president or who may be one or both himself into a flunkey that article must be imported ready-made from other centres of civilization when a new englander has lost his self-respect as a citizen and as a man he is demoralized and cannot be trusted with the money to pay for a dinner it may be supposed therefore that this fractional emperor this continent shaper finds his position awkward when he goes into service and that his employer is apt to find it still more embarrassing it is always under protest that the hired man does his duty every act of service is subject to the drawback i am as good as you are this is so common at least as almost to be the rule and partly accounts for the rapid disappearance of the indigenous domestic from the basements above mentioned paleontologists will by and by be examining the floors of our kitchens for tracks of the extinct native species of serving man the female of the same race is fast dying out indeed the time is not far distant when all the varieties of young woman will have vanished from new england as the dodo has perished in the mauritius the young lady is all that we shall have left and the mop and duster of the last anira or loisy will be stared at by generations of bridgets and noras as that famous head and foot of the lost bird are stared at in the ashmolean museum abel stebbins the doctor's man took the true american view of his difficult position 
he sold his time to the doctor and having sold it he took care to fulfil his half of the bargain the doctor on his part treated him not like a gentleman because one does not order a gentleman to bring up his horse or run his errands but he treated him like a man every order was given in courteous terms his reasonable privileges were respected as much as if they had been guaranteed under hand and seal the doctor lent him books from his own library and gave him all friendly counsel as if he were a son or a younger brother abel had revolutionary blood in his veins and though he saw fit to hire out he could never stand the word servant or consider himself the inferior one of the two high contracting parties when he came to live with the doctor he made up his mind he would dismiss the old gentleman if he did not behave according to his notions of propriety but he soon found that the doctor was one of the right sort and so determined to keep him the doctor soon found on his side that he had a trustworthy intelligent fellow who would be invaluable to him if he only let him have his own way of doing what was to be done the doctor's hired man had not the manners of a french valet he was grave and taciturn for the most part he never bowed and rarely smiled but was always at work in the daytime and always reading in the evening he was a hostler and did all the housework that a man could properly do would go to the door or tend table bought the provisions for the family in short did almost everything for them but get their clothing there was no office in a perfectly appointed household from that of steward down to that of stable-boy which he did not cheerfully assume his round of work not consuming all his energies he must needs cultivate the doctor's garden which he kept in one perpetual bloom from the blowing of the first crocus to the fading of the last dahlia this garden was abel's poem its half-dozen beds were so many contos nature crowded them for him with imagery such as no laureate could copy in the cold mosaic of language the rhythm of alternating dawn and sunset the strophe and antistrophe still perceptible through all the sudden shifts of our dithrambic seasons and echoed in corresponding floral harmonies made melody in the soul of abel the plain serving man it softened his whole otherwise rigid aspect he worshipped god according to the strict way of his fathers but a florist's puritanism is always colored by the petals of his flowers and nature never shows him a black corolla he may or may not figure again in this narrative but as there must be some who confound the new england hired man native-born with the servant of foreign birth and as there is the difference of two continents and two civilizations between them it did not seem fair to let abel bring round the doctor's mare and sulky without touching his features in half shadow into our background the doctor's mare cassia was so called by her master from her cinnamon color cassia being one of the professional names for that spice or drug she was of the shade we call sorrel or as an englishman would perhaps say chestnut a genuine morgan mare with a low forehand as is common in this breed but with strong quarters and flat hocks well ribbed up with a good eye and a pair of lively ears 
a first-rate doctor's beast, would stand until her harness dropped off her back at the door of a tedious case, and trot over hill and dale thirty miles in three hours if there was a child in the next county with a bean in its windpipe, and the doctor gave her a hint of the fact. Cassia was not large, but she had a good deal of action, and was the doctor's show-horse. There were two other animals in his stable, Quasia or Quashi, the black horse, and Caustic, the old bay, with whom he jogged around the village. "'A long ride today,' said Abel, as he brought up the equipage. "'Just out of the village, that's all. There's a kink in her mane. Pull it out, will you?' "'Going to visit some of the great folks?' Abel said to himself. "'Wonder who it is?' Then to the doctor. "'Anybody get sick at Sprouls? They say Deacon Soper had a fit after eatin' some of their frozen victuals.' The doctor smiled. He guessed the deacon would do well enough. He was only going to ride over to the Dudley Mansion House. End of chapter 9